0: So what I want to talk about today, we're not in a series. This is just a one-off teaching. Um, Sometimes when I think about my relationship with God, and I don't know if you feel this way too, I feel like it is difficult for me to receive from God. It's difficult for me to receive from God. I can give to God, but it is difficult for me to receive from Him. For instance, like I... I like to sing to God. I really do. I like to worship him, to tell him that I love him, to tell him that I'm devoted to him, but it is harder for me to hear from God that he loves me. I know it, right? Don't you? I mean, we know that God loves us, but I don't know if I know it, right? I don't know what it would mean for, and so have you probably heard speakers say, the longest distance is from your head to your heart, right? Like, How does it really get in our hearts? What would it be for me to feel? And I know it's not all about feelings, but what would it be for me to feel loved by God? You know, it's easy for me to like read my Bible, to like do that. Like it's something that I can do. It's practical. It's harder for me when I'm reading my Bible to think God is with me. You know, some people will light, I did this for a while, I lit a candle when I was reading my Bible to remind myself that God was with me. You know, I do, I've been trying to grow in the art of silence and solitude, just like being with God. And I'll just be honest, like sometimes I'm like, this is so weird. Like, you know, like, is God really here? Is, am I just being quiet for no reason? I'm just like, this is maybe too honest. You might not want to hear your pastor say this kind of stuff, but like, this is, I'm just being real. You know, like it's easier for me to go like serve other people that feels like I'm doing something. It's easier for me to serve God by doing, but it's harder for me to look at my life and see like, what has God been doing in my life? How do I see God serving me? I believe he does. I believe God works in my life. But when you see stuff in your life that you're like, maybe that's God. Isn't there that other voice that's like, oh, come on. That's just circumstance, right? Like, no, why can't we just believe it? And I've got some of these old scripts in my head, too. I don't know if you have any of these. like stuff like one the big one for me is like you're you're a fraud. that's like a script for me. I love it. It's super encouraging. Um, like imposter syndrome, right? like i in all areas of my life, so as a pastor i will I will battle regularly thoughts of you don't really know what you're doing. you just happen to be a pastor, but you're not actually like really trained for it. You're not very good at it. Like lots of other people know better. Um, Someday people are going to find out, like, you know, see behind the curtain and like, whoa, you know, they're gonna be like, why are we following this guy? Right? (laughs) Like, hopefully you're not following me. Let's just stop right there. Okay. Following Jesus. Jesus. But, like, I have that. And, and like, and yet I know God, like, talks about, like, we're gifted. Like, I preach on that, right? For us, I talk about it. Last week, right? You're gifted. God's called you. God's appointed you to do stuff. And yet inside, it's, like, this constant battle. Do you guys, am I the only one? Like, do you struggle with any of these? Like, do you ever feel, struggle to feel loved by God? Do you ever feel like you know some stuff about God, but you just don't know if it's in your heart yet? Are you playing any old scripts in your head? Like, like, do you feel better about your relationship with God when you are living a better, more moral life? Why? Because God's posture doesn't change towards you, whether you've been a good person or you've been struggling with sin. And I'm not saying let's excuse that. I'm just saying God's posture doesn't change. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore, right? Like we know this stuff, but we don't know it. And I I feel like God wants me to just like push on that. I think he wants to encourage you today. I feel like some of us, maybe all of us need to hear this today. I want to read you kind of a lengthy, kind of a wordy quote, um, but it's from A.W. Tozer, and I think it's powerful. That's not it. That is not it. This is my question for today. Does your heart know what you know? How do, you, how do we get it in here? Okay, so here it is. That our idea of God corresponds as nearly as possible to the true being of God is of immense importance to us. In other words, how we think of God, it needs to match who God really is. We all have a picture, a mental map, if you will, of who God is. And it's influenced by all of our upbringing and all of the people around us and all right? And if that mental map of who God is inside of our hearts, inside of our heads is different from who God is, it's going to impact us negatively. Compared with our actual thoughts about him, our creedal statements are of little consequence. So again, you can say the right stuff, but what you really believe on the inside is what actually matters. Our real idea of God, it may lay buried, 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 Buried beneath the rubbish of conventional religious notions and may require an intelligent and vigorous search before it is finally unearthed and exposed for what it is. I believe... There is scarcely an error in our doctrine or a failure in our Christian living, applying Christian ethics, that cannot be traced finally to imperfect thoughts about God. So how we view God when those thoughts are wrong, it changes us for the bad, for the worse. It influences how we act. It influences our theology. Have you ever met, actually one time in my life, I wrote out some chapter ideas. I wanted to write a book called God's Not Like That because I spent so much time talking to people and I would be like, God's not like that. Like, you think God is like this. He's like mean. He's like looking over your shoulders, like waiting for you to mess up. And I would always say, like, but God's not like that. I would try to say these things. And I think we, we believe things about God in our heart that we know aren't, isn't true, but it influences how we live, the overflow of our heart. So can we just read? I want to read one passage from Jesus. It's in one of his most beautiful kind of discussions with his disciples it's John 15. And it's, if you're familiar with the Bible, it's where he talks about, I'm the vine and you are the branches, okay? Remain in me and I will remain in you. If you're not familiar with the Bible, we're just gonna take a section of this and it's written by one of the people who wrote the life, wrote the, you know, the stories of the life of Jesus, what we call the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And so John says this. I mean, John quotes Jesus as saying this. So this is Jesus. As the father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. And just, I want you to, as we read this, think about what he's saying about your relationship to him. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And you are my friends. If you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in the name, of my father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Okay, so we're gonna pick three things. First of all, I am loved. Like, can you say that? Now, you don't have to say it out loud right now, but I want you to, I want you to, can you say that in your heart? Like, you know it, but I wonder what we can do to get it to travel. Like, you are loved by God most high. And what he says there, as the father has loved me, so I have loved you. And without geeking out too much on this, think about God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, what we call the Trinity, right? We don't believe there's three gods. It's one God, three kind of a word we could use as like persons, but it's one God, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are somehow living in such perfect unity for all of eternity, perfect love, sacrificial love, preferential love, Such love that the son would lay his life down as the father would call him to do that. Such love that when Jesus ascends to heaven, the Holy Spirit will come to earth and remind us of all things Jesus is. I want to tell you, I've read some some theology work on the love of God amongst God. It's confusing. And even as I talk about it, you're like, I don't like this part. So somehow, I just want to say, like, there's, what I actually think is that there's just, like, a depth there that we don't fully understand. But the love that exists between God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit is what actually instigated creation. His desire for that love to be spread to more people, to more people to be included in that love. That's why he's taking the God love, the love in God and saying, I'm bringing you into that. Can you imagine that? You walk into a room with God, the Father, God, the Son, God, the Holy Spirit. No, that's not a bad joke, right? And they're like, I don't know, like all holding hands. And then they're like, hey, Christian, come here, get in here, right? Like, number one, best circle ever, right? Not because I'm there. <laughs> but I'm like, like think about like, this, this is a sacred, I mean, I don't think we have words for it. I know that I don't, because clearly I can't, I don't know what to say, but This, like, creation was birthed out of this love. All of creation, you and I, made in his image for that reason. Adam and Eve used to walk in the garden with God, speaking to him as if he were a man, right? Like, this is what we were created for. And then sin separated the relationship. It broke the relationship, and God— came and hung on a tree to restore that and he said as the father and I have loved each other for eternity past and eternity future so I have loved you remain in my love stay here and we're always like well, wandering out of the circle right like look at that shiny object you know I wonder if that co- I wonder if that'll make me feel loved I wonder if that money will make me feel loved I wonder if that sex will make me feel loved I wonder if that bigger TV will make me feel loved I know some of you in there, that hit home right there. You were like, oh, (laughs) it is the right weekend to say that, isn't it? All right. I'll tell you a little joke. This has nothing to do with the teaching, but Tim and I were talking about what if we played just Taylor Swift in the lobby today and see if anybody noticed coming in. I think that would have been really smart. Okay. So you're loved. He has affection for you. Think about the God of all creation, the God of the universe he cares about you. He prefers you. He thinks about you. Do, you. do you know you're loved like that? And so sometimes what I ask when I read the Bible, it's a very deep philosophical question. I say, so what? So what if I'm loved? Well, here's so what. There's more. That means there's more of his love to experience. The Bible tells us that we can spend eternity learning about his love and we will only scratch the surface, Right? Paul actually prays, I pray that you would be rooted so your whole life would be built out of the love of God and that you would have the ability, the power, together with all the rest of the Christians to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. To know the love that surpasses knowledge. How can you know something that surpasses knowledge? You can spend your life Knowing more, knowing, experiencing. It's not just knowing. It's oftentimes the the Greek word for knowing in the New Testament is an experiential knowing. Like the difference between I know about something, but I have participated in this, right? Like I know about pickleball. I haven't participated, but I know soccer. I have for years, right? And I know it. You can know God or you can know about God. You can know his love or you can know about his love. And he wants you to know his love. All right, we got to keep moving. Number two, I am befriended. Number one, befriended's a weird word. I typed it multiple times. I think it's spelled right. I never use it, but I don't know how else to say it in this teaching. Can, like the crazy, I am loved is pretty crazy. Like loved by God, like you're imperfect. He's perfect. You're mortal. He's immortal, right? Like you've definitely turned your back on him at times in your life. He's never going to turn his back on you. That's crazy. But think about this. He wants to be your friend. That's crazy, guys, okay, I mean, let's just go back because I don't prove it to you. Here we go. It's in the Bible, okay? Instead, I have called you friends. God of the universe wants to be your friend. You know what that means? He doesn't just love you. He likes you. And you know the difference. Because there's people in your life you love, but you don't like them a whole lot, right? He actually likes you. He wants to be around you. So what? He wants to be around I don't even think we can comprehend this. Like, think about if you know the Bible, Jesus like dies on the cross and he raises from the dead. And then he just goes and hangs out with his friends. Like he he doesn't like, he doesn't go like topple Rome. He doesn't go like kill the emperor. He doesn't like mount an army. He's just like, let's go cook some fish on the beach. Like for real. Like he just like, let's go hang out. He wants to be your friend. Can you believe this in your heart? This is not for the person sitting next to you. Stop thinking about them. This is for you. If you are the only person in the room, he wants to be your friend. That means that he wants to talk to you about everything that's going on in your life. You can't scare him away. Do you have a friend like that? Do you have any friends you know you could tell them anything and they would have your back? He is. He wants to be that friend. I think that we often are like, well, wait, he's a little too holy for that thought I just had, right? Let's just break that down right now. Like he's seen it all, don't you think? He's been around longer than you, right? You haven't come up with a new question that he's like, oh, honestly, never thought of that. That's a good one, right? Like you haven't sinned in some new way where he's like, oh man, <laughs> you're going to hell, right? Like, He's never, you know, like he's never, the sin, like he died on the cross for your sins. He didn't die on the cross for sins one through 75 and you found 76, right? Like you can talk to him about anything. Can you imagine that, like, do you have friends who like are for you? Like they want the best for you. Like they're rooting for you. They want you to overcome. They want you to be your best version of yourself. The Bible tells us, like, this I know, that God is for me. That is a verse in the Bible. You should write that down because 70% of us don't believe that. God is for me. You walk into your daily life, you walk into school, and I'm not saying to say it out loud because people might look at you weird, but you can think God is for me. He's for me. He's on my side. Not only does he love you, but he is your friend. He's for you. He wants you I'm, I'm not going to say succeed. Like he doesn't, it's like, he wants you to succeed in the sense, like he wants you to be a billionaire, right? Like, no, maybe some of you. Sooner rather than later, because we're trying to get a building. I don't know if you, if I've mentioned that, but if you feel that's you, lean into it now, okay? Um, but he wants you to become who you're created to be in the fullness of who you're created to be. And so often we sell ourselves short. He wants to be your friend and God The other crazy thing. Like, I think it gets crazier. Not only does he love you and want to be our friends, he chose us. I I recently played some adult league, that wasn't a league. I played soccer with some adults. I don't know how else to say that. I play adult, Never mind. Okay. I play soccer with kids a lot, which also sounds weird, okay? But this time it was with adults. I just want you to know that. But if you call it adult soccer, it sounds even weirder. So soccer with adults. And uh, they didn't know me. And so like, have you ever been in that situation? Like I didn't get chosen first or second or third. I was the group at the end when they start feeling bad. And they're like, how about you group go here and you group go there? Because they don't want to get down to the last person, right? I loved it. It was great. I was like, man, you know, it's never happened to me. But no, just kidding. But, Can you imagine, can we do a little exercise? This is going to be super weird. And I, you know, I don't usually make you do weird stuff. Let's all close our eyes for a second. Would you do that? If you really don't want to, whatever, keep them open. I'll close mine. Close your eyes. Okay. Now picture Jesus walks in the room. He's got all these people to pick from. And he chooses you. Like a light shines from heaven right on your chair. And he walks up and he's like, hey, Noel, I pick you. And I I know you're not all named Noel, so I broke it a little bit there, but okay, you can open your eyes. That was kind of weird. But think about that. Somehow, because the Bible tells us that he doesn't, God is not a show favoritism. Somehow he chooses us all first. I don't know how it works, but you're not his second choice, guys. Can you hear me? whatever you're going through, whatever your life is like, whatever your life has been like, whatever doctrinal or theological issues you're wrestling with, if you're thinking you don't even know if you believe in God today, you're not his second choice or his third choice or his last choice. You're his first choice. He has chosen you and appointed you, which means he didn't just choose you. He was like, I want you on the team and here is a significant role. He has a role. He has a, a place for you. Right? This tells me, so what? It tells me I belong with God. He wants me in His family. He wants me on His team. He wants you in His family. And when you accept that invitation, you have meaning. Because He never, like, this is a whole other teaching, but He created us to do. He created us to produce things in the earth, to use our gifts. So when you are, when God chooses you and appoints you, He appoints you to do something significant with your life. All of us have something significant to do with our lives. And so we all know this stuff, or maybe some of it's new, but my my challenge is, can we get it to go from our knowledge to our heart? Worship team, come on up. Does your heart know what you know? Does your heart know what you know? I believe that God wants us to not just understand this, but to experience it. There's a great word John Ortberg writes about participating with God. I love that idea that we would be doing this together with God. You are loved. You are. Bef- he wants to be your friend. You are chosen. And think about this, guys. If you are here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, if church is foreign to you, if if you're not sure, if you believe, you know, you don't, you've never read the Bible. Like all of these are invitations. You can accept this invitation. It's just like getting invited to go to the Sixers game, which we just invited you to. You, Jesus invites you into relationship. He's never forced anyone into it. But there is something that we have to do. We have to respond. We have to respond to enter into that relationship of love and friendship. He's offering that to all of us. I I know we're a little bit up against the clock and I'm just gonna say, we're gonna gonna run over by about five minutes. But I I feel like if I don't do this last little piece, it's it's not super practical. So I wanna just get here. There's a verse in the Bible that God's been speaking to me about. And it's, it's in Isaiah. You can go look it up. It's right there, Isaiah 40. But it basically says, prepare the way for the Lord. And it's a, it's a verse that John the Baptist, it's quoted about John the Baptist in the New Testament that he prepared the way for Jesus. And God's been saying to me, prepare the way for the Lord in your heart. Like, how do you prepare the way for the Lord? And, and I'm asking you the question, has it traveled from your head to your heart? And I felt like to end without any practical advice, is kind of like, you know, like, well, what is it? You know? So here's some things I think help. All right, I'm, I'm actually, I'm just gonna read this to you. So in the wilderness... Prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Think about yourself, your life. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. It's poetic language, but we're going to apply it. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all the people will see it together. So how can we prepare the way of the Lord? Number one is, like we started talking about right belief, remove the lies. That's like, you know, raising up the valleys, bringing down the mountains. That whole poetic language is like, remove the obstacles from your life that keep us from God or keep God from us. Emotional wholeness. Like, So if I'm saying to you, how do you get it from your head to your heart? Some of us need healing in our heart. Some of us need to have healing for wounds or old scripts that run through our head. Like I was talking about that whole feeling like a fraud thing. That is not godly. That's somehow a wound that I picked up in my life that I've had to seek healing for. I've talked to my counselor about it. I've talked to friends about it. I've gotten prayer for it. You can start. Yeah. There was no subtle way to do that. I thought about it, but I was like, yeah. You can create time and space. Like we need to create time and space for this relationship in our life. Prayer, worship, listening, those are disciplines that work to connect our heart with what we know. Like sometimes some of you need to create some space. Go for a walk with God, right? Get alone with God. Be quiet with God. Learn the language of your heart in, in relation to God. I have friends who like to go on runs and that's the only time they feel they can connect with God right? That's fine if you're crazy. That's fine. You can do that. Some people like to, like, work with their hands, and they connect with God. Some people like to journal, and they connect with God. Some people like to study. Some people like to sit quietly. I don't care. Like, there's—God's very creative. What's the language of your heart that connects you to God? Find out. There's a bunch of verses in the Bible that talk about seeking God. Like, it's not just like, I'm going to sit here, God, you better, like, we, we can pursue Him. If you want more of this in your life, you can do that. I think we can become aware of God. We can start to open up our heart to the fact that He's not just with us on Sunday morning for an hour and, you know, 25 minutes, right? That He is with us at all times. There's more we could say about this, but I just wanted to leave that thought. Like, how can I prepare the way? How can I remove the obstacles that are in the way between me and God. You know, how can I make space for God in my life? Because he, his posture is that he's leaning towards you right now. His heart is for you, he loves you. You know, sometimes I think that we think God's default is that he's upset and we have to, by good behavior, convince him to come over here and love us. And the opposite is true. His default is complete and total love of us. And honestly, even when we sin and turn our back on Him, we can't pull Him. He's not pulled by us, guys. He's not influenced by our behavior. We're influenced by Him. It's this. He is all love, and we are drawn towards Him. You don't have to work to draw Him to love you. He has done the work, okay? The death and resurrection. He has done the work to draw us into His love. It's His love that He's inviting us into. As the Father loved me, I have loved you. Now remain in my love. I no longer call you servants, I call you friends. I've chosen you and appointed you to bear good fruit. This is the truth of how Jesus thinks about you. Let's let it penetrate our hearts.